Hello and welcome to this week's episode of All Things Food. I'm your host, Nikki Hursthouse. I'm a registered dietitian, foodie, and founder of Nikki Hursthouse Nutrition. This week, Caitlin Lamb joins me on the podcast. Caitlin is a year 13 student in Rotorua who is passionate about growing healthy local food in a regenerative, organic way. Caitlin has a mission to set up more urban farms across New Zealand and the world so that there are urban farms within a one kilometre radius of each other. These farms would also be compost hubs where waste can be used to create fertile soil. Caitlin is just 18 years old but has already made a significant impact within her community. This is a great conversation that should inspire us all to get out into the community to support each other and a healthy environment. Super excited to have you here on the podcast, Caitlin. Thanks, Nikki. (laughs) So before we jump into the grunt of the topic that we're going to be talking about, I'd love to hear more about your story and I guess what sort of the journey you've been on to bring you here today. Yeah, well, it's quite a long journey. I could could say that it started, I guess, from the time I was born (laughs) just because my parents influenced me quite a lot. I mean, I was brought up in the redwoods here so our our local forest I was being mountain biking a bit of gardening with my parents um so that kind of started me on my journey but I guess in year 10 so I'm year 13 now in year 10 was really where my journey began because in year 10 I took an art class and we had to learn about um, endangered birds around the world. And so I really got into the Philippine eagle. It was my favorite bird. And then I learned about endangered New Zealand birds. I was like, wow, I didn't realize like we had all these problems and all that. And so um, the next year I got involved in forest and bird. And that's because I read an article in our local newspaper about a trapping event that was happening at our local lake. So I dragged my family along and our exchange student <laughs> and at the event there was all the different stalls like Forest and Bird, just heaps. We got talking to Forest and Bird and so that year we went to the National Conference in Wellington. My sister and I, we got sponsored to go there and we met other youth who was really into protecting our environment and they had started up like youth hubs in their own like town of where they ran and organized activities for other youth such as rubbish cleanups and tree plantings and, like, and they were like oh you should start one in Rotorua and it's like okay <laughs> so then we just started that and that was a, a really turn a real turning point in my journey but then we continued doing that and it went well we found that there was a lack of youth involvement and wanting to protect our environment so yeah. as I continued organizing events, learning about environmental impacts and how everything was so interconnected. I learned that our food system is the one that really is a is like causing environmental destruction in a way. And so um last year in year twelve I I had to do French with um a private tutor because I didn't offer it at my school anymore. And she was a gardener. So I saw her garden outside and I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I went back to my garden that night. I was like, 
oh, maybe I should start a garden. <laughs> At that time, it was just filled with weeds. But yeah, and then shortly after that came lockdown. And so with Forest and Bird Youth, my sister and I, we ran a waste campaign. And within that, we ran like composting tutorials and growing food from cuttings. So like spring onions and onions or whatnot. And so that's how I got started into gardening was from my French teacher and that waste campaign. And that's how I really got into composting. But then the next real pivotal moment in my life, which you will know about Nikki, was the kaitaki. (laughs) (laughs) Because that just opened my eyes to like all the different people out there who were doing amazing things. And I honestly did not know that our food system was broken in any way. And so that led me to learning about food waste from the Food Champions 12.3 with Tessa Vincent. I rang her up and I talked to her. Yeah. And then I also learned about KaiCycle in Wellington. I had no idea about urban farms or that composting could be a business. And that just blew my mind that they were collecting food waste on an electric bike and turning it back into beautiful compost to grow food with. So, yeah, that's really what um, is where my story is into where I am now as the Kaitaki just offered me, like, so many opportunities to get amongst everything about composting and growing food, which is my passion, and that's how I that's how I found it. Um, yeah, and also a huge thing that really is important in my journey was starting an Instagram account. I'd never had one my whole life till last year, and then I met so many different people, and so the gardeners on there that I followed, they made me realize that I should also do gardening and. Then I met this lady on there called Katrina from Blue Borage and she really got me into composting and she that's her business's um, different composting solutions. So, yeah. <laughs> that's really amazing and it's really um, cool to see like the different influences that you've had over the years. Um, and, I mean, for someone who's only in their final year of high school, many pivotal moments already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which That's is cool. Amazing. And so, yeah. And so, I guess the one thing that you're really passionate about at the moment is composting. Yeah. And do you sort of gave a little bit of an idea as to how that sort of passion came about? But what is it that you've been doing with composting, like at home and in the community? Um, so, at home, I obviously compost. <laughs> I have, I started with two compost bins. I didn't really know much about compost. We just chucked all our food waste in there and it seemed to work. But now I know that you add like different components and I've learned about hot composting. So I've had to go with that. Got a compost thermometer. So now I actually know that I'm doing it that's actually working. Um, yeah. But in my community, because I realized composting is a solution to well, the food waste problem. As, all, as a third of all food waste, food goes to waste. And so composting is such a simple solution to this huge global issue. And so in my community, there's nothing re- there's nothing about composting in our community. And I know there's a huge need to reskill people into this. As like my grandparents, all they knew was composting. There was no really such thing as waste, especially yeah. food waste. Mm. Um, so in my community, I've run one composting workshop so far, 
at Tepuya Orchard, which is an orchard that I volunteer at. And so, yeah, I just taught them how to compost. Um, and I'm planning two more, one at a local primary school and one at a more at a community just outside of Rotorua. So I'm just going to teach them about that because they want to learn, which is really cool. So that's what I've been doing in my community. Um, at my school, my sister and I, we started up a whole school compost system um, because we were just sick of seeing everyone putting their food waste in the rubbish bin when, like, it has so holds so much, yeah. like, nutrient. It's a great food worth. And it adds so much to climate change in the landfill as well. So, um, yeah, so we set up a whole school compost system, which is actually going pretty well, I must say. We think we... We estimate we save about six kgs of food waste from the landfill a week, so that's that's pretty wow, good. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot, though. How many how many people at your school? Uh, about one thousand two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of people's lunch waste, isn't it? Definitely, most of it's just fruit peels and that. Yeah. We do find whole yeah. sandwiches from time to time, <laughs> though. So the worms are happy. Um. But we started doing that as a trial just in the staff room because people were quite scared that, oh, it would smell bad and all that. So we had to prove that yeah. it would work. So we started with one bin in the staff room. And then when we showed that worked, we put two more bins out in the whole school and we slowly just added to it. And now we have about oof, like 10 or something in the, in the school. Um, yeah. We're still going to add some more, especially in the classrooms. Um, but how we manage it is that we have like in the Enviro group, we have like a roster. So different students can sign up to be what we call a waste warrior. <laughs> and so they just have um, one day a week where they have certain bins they've rostered on to empty and take to the compost bin, like the actual compost bin by our school garden. So, yeah, and we're having quite, I guess we're having quite good success with that as most of lots of juniors are keen to get involved in that which is cool yeah yeah that's really good I guess and um sometimes it's a bit of it takes a bit of momentum with peers at definitely social groups and things for one person to get involved and then they get their peers involved and then I guess that's sort of how it goes I mean you've noticed a little bit of that momentum in um school but you were saying that in the community it was a little bit harder to engage some of the younger people yeah, and we still have problems with that now in the community. Um, but I'm definitely focusing more on school. And as you said, yes, once one person sees, oh, what they're doing is cool, it's making a positive change, then so many people get involved. Like at the beginning, we only had like two students helping us, which was cool. And now <laughs> we probably have like over 10. So that's it, it's really good. awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, nice and rewarding for you that your vision and your work towards all of this is, you know, paying off and people are seeing the benefit to it. Mm, um, yeah. And I mean, are there any other schools in the area or nearby that do anything similar? Um, there's no schools that I know of that are doing composting. I know I have some friends that go to the other schools and they're seeing what we're doing. And they want help to, like, start it up. But it's very difficult because you really need, like, the caretakers on board as well, teachers and students. We've given them some yeah. help. But I do know that at, like, most high schools around my area, they're wanting to start. They just don't know how to. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
But one of the primary schools by my house, my mum works there, <laughs> um, they have just started a compost system too and they want us to go in and to help them. So I, yeah. I guess there's a lot of people wanting to do it at this school. It's just the support and knowing of how to actually start, I think, is what we need to solve, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And with regards to um, getting started, I mean, I'm sure that's a barrier for a lot of people even doing it at home. Do you have sort of any kind of simple steps in how you actually get started with composting at home? Yeah, so I guess if you're starting, if you want to make it cheap, I would start by getting some like of those recycled pallets just make sure they're untreated. As many businesses give them away for free. And then you can just search up oh, on yeah. YouTube, like, how to build one. It's very easy to make. And then just start by, like, putting, like, leaves on the bottom, grass clippings or whatever, and then just putting your food waste in. It's just important to layer it because otherwise it will start to smell bad. So you want a layer of your um, greens, which is your food waste. If you have too many greens, it's going to go sloshy and gross. So you need your browns, like your leaves, your grass clippings and all that, which you can easily find in your local park or at your own garden or whatever. I guess yeah. just don't be afraid to start because it's actually really easy. And I think most people are put off by the smell and rats. Rats, you can build compost bins so they can't get in, especially if you like dig them in the ground. But also rats are actually very helpful with your compost because they'll burrow in and turn it for you so then you don't have to turn it. <laughs> so they can help you, yeah. Um, and also you don't have so to turn doing it. some of the work. Yeah, but you don't actually have to turn yeah. it. I think people sometimes think it's too much work. But if you do actually turn it, here's a bit of scientific stuff, um, it actually breaks the fungi networks in the compost. And if you put that back into your garden, you want the fungi networks. So it's better to not turn it. And for the first like three years when we did composting, we had no idea what we were doing. We we didn't turn it and it still came out with beautiful soil. So just chuck it all in and all <laughs> nature will do the work for you. <laughs> yeah. And how long does it take um, from when you start putting food in to actually get compost that you can use? Yeah, it's about, I think it's about, six weeks but I've also talked to people and it's like can be like three months it really depends what you're putting in there as well like coffee grounds for example they're a compost activator so they'll heat it up more same with um grass clippings and it also depends where you live I guess as well in the climate because it's hotter it'll decompose faster um yeah but most people wait about a year I don't wait a year because it's too long I'll probably wait about six months but you yeah. can only just see it anyway when it's fully decomposed and it won't smell at all. So, yeah. Mm. And, I mean, what's the difference, I guess, um, from starting with just your basic composting to getting a worm farm? Yeah, so a worm farm, we also have a worm farm. So with a worm farm, I guess you would put less in because you have to wait for the worms to multiply because if you put in too much, and I think, I'm not completely sure, but like something happens to the worms, like they die off or something because you overfeed them. Mm. That's the same with underfeeding. Whereas if you have a compost system, the worms will just come so they can come and go as they please. And if there's not enough, they can just go away to find more food. And yeah. with worm farming also, 
there's heaps of rules about what you can put in and what you can't. But I actually went to this worm farming workshop. And this lady was talking about she broke all the rules and she fed her worms everything that they said not to. And her worms were thriving. So you can actually just like experiment and feed them anything anyway and they'll still survive. And another benefit <laughs> of worm farming is I guess it can take up less space and it doesn't smell. And it also gives you worm juice so you can put that onto your garden. Whereas it, with the compost, it doesn't give you the worm juice. Um, mm-hmm. Worm farming can be simpler, can be more simple, but then you do have to kind of buy the, the actual worm farm thing. I mean, you don't have to, you can make it, but I just prefer yeah. composting. Yeah, cool. Because, I mean, that's the thing, like some people might want to start somewhere um, and it's just working out what works best in, I guess, your living situation, whether you've got space for a compost bin, like in the soil, um, or if you have to like have something separate, like worm farms probably, I guess, more practical for those who like don't have the grass or land yeah, to put compost on. Um, and I guess a big part of composting is it helps enrich the soil with lots of nutrients mm. and um, soil biology in general is one of your big interest areas and sort of a growing interest area for you, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so what does that sort of mean, soil biology? Well, it's like it's all the living things beneath the soil and one teaspoon of soil, for example, there's like millions of microbes. There's more living things in a teaspoon of soil than the living beings on our planet. So um, it's quite amazing. All these microbes, they do all the jobs for us in their garden. They they feed our plants by unlocking nutrients so that they can eat it, eat it in a way <laughs> to grow. Um, yeah. yeah, that's soil biology, basically the relationship between the soil microbes and the plants. Yeah, and I guess what are some things that we need to be aware of like about soil in New Zealand? Um, yeah, good question. That's quite broad, but um, I guess if we're looking at soil, the soil health reflects the health of us. So if our soil is healthy and we're eating that plant, those plants are that soil, then we know that we're healthy in one area, for example. Whereas if we look at the soil and we're like, oh, that's basically dead and we're eating plants out of that, well, that has huge effects for us. So what do we need to know about New Zealand soils? Well, most of the vegetables that we get from the supermarket are grown in monoculture farms. And I think that's the majority of how our food is produced in New Zealand is through monocropping, which is where one plant is grown in like one certain area of land. And um, New Zealanders, I think we need to be aware of this more because to say we, we know that fruit and vegetables are really healthy for us and obviously they are but um heaps have lost lots of nutrients and they're not as good for us as they used to be just because the nutrients in the soil aren't there and if these nutrients aren't in the soil well then the microbes aren't going to be there because the microbes they feed off the organic matter in the soil. And most monoculture farms, they don't have organic matter anymore because they've kept replanting the same plant over and over again, which strips this organic matter out of it as it doesn't replenish the soil. And so 
yeah, if there if there's no nutrients in the soil, well then our plants aren't able to get these nutrients either. So the plants are nutrient deficient, which leads to humans being nutrient deficient. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to know um, for New Zealanders where our food is grown and how it was grown, like especially what kind of what does the soil look like and what's is it living what's the living things in there yeah and another thing about New Zealand soils is what I heard on the um tv like a couple months ago is that lots of houses these days are being built on really good quality soils and the whole world we're running Mm -hmm. out of quality top soil and so if we don't look after our soils we're not actually going to be able to produce food anymore. So that's another thing we need to be thinking about is obviously with a growing population, where are we building these houses and is this efficient for the food we need to grow as well? Because obviously these houses have to be built on soil as well. So maybe building the houses on less fertile soil. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the big debate in South Auckland, isn't it? Like that's sort of... A very very high quality soil yet there's a huge expansion of subdevelopments in that area as well which I mean for those people that get a slice of garden in those houses are going to be pretty lucky but uh, <laughs> the effect on the quality of food produced um, across the country would will take a bit of a hit there um, and I guess when the soil becomes stripped of nutrients and and you know as you sort of mentioned monocropping can be a big reason behind that is there a way to revive that soil yeah that's a really good question Nikki um I'm definitely not an expert in soil health (laughs) um I think in my opinion I think yes there is a way to revive it I think adding compost starting with compost is a great way there is a point where you can add too much compost but I think, yes, compost is a great way to start. And just getting the plants in the soil, because if you start putting the plants in the soil, well, then the microbes will like be reactivated and they'll be putting a root in the soil. So holding the soil in place, giving it a soil structure. Yeah, because when you're monocropping, you're putting one plant in and you're taking it out and you're basic. Sometimes you're not planting anything in there for a ho- for like months. So if you get your... your plants in there then it's not going to cause the erosion and for the soil to just be swept away like dust Mm. yeah so compost Mm. is key (laughs) and I guess what's the other option of growing food other than monocropping um well there's many different options such as biodynamic gardening so that's kind of like we have a holistic view on the garden and so that's using different techniques, different plants, and that to revive the soil. There's also like um, regenerative organic agriculture. That's what I'm really into at the moment, and that's where the where you're basically re-enhancing the soil by producing food, so you're not depleting it. So you're having many different types of plants in the soil at once, which is polycropping. And so you're like not leaving the soil bare. So, yeah, and you're not also not using synthetic fertilizers, which monocrops use, 
because obviously there's one plant in there so the pest is just going to stay there because their food source is just available all the time. Mm. So there's none of those nasty chemicals on it as well. Yeah. But there's many different options to to monocropping and I guess not all of them have been explored but most of them is going back to what like our ancestors used to do before we even invented monocropping because you know monocropping is just something we invented right nature doesn't do one plant (laughs) so I guess going back into like a forest system in a way with different types of plants and different heights they grow to and all that yeah yeah and I guess it's part of that industrial food production monocropping isn't it because it was um it's to grow large amounts of one thing. Definitely. And that's why, like, it's been, I guess, been so helpful in the past is because we had um, we had the wars and all that, and so we needed a quick boost for our, our economy and so and also to feed feed um, an increasing population. So we had to we had to grow heaps of plants and produce a lot of money at once and I guess it's not the people's fault who invented this because they didn't know this was going to have environmental consequences. So I guess yeah. they're just human or like us. So it's our duty now to re to make to I guess rel make our soil living again through processes we know are much better for our environment now. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So thinking about some of the things you've learned over the past, you know, couple of years getting into gardening and composting, I guess where what are some simple um, things that people could do every day that would make a difference to the environment? I think definitely composting. Composting plays a huge role in this. And even if you can't compost yourself, There'll be many composters out there, probably on your own street, who'll be willing to compost for you. Like, for example, I compost my neighbor's compost, my grandparents' compost, well, food waste. No, I don't compost their compost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there'll be people out there who want to do it for you. There's an app called Share Waste, which you can sign up to, and you can see people around your neighborhood or your neighbors, for example, who will collect it for you. That's a really great app. Um, Another simple thing people can do is just asking where your food is growing, and because this will unlock so many pathways for you, as you actually as you'll realize, well, this was grown on a monocrop farm. What does that mean for me? Or this was grown on on an organic farm. That's a win for me, or whatever. And I guess another important thing is to support your local farmers who are willing to change, who are wanting or already growing in harmony with our environment, because. For these small producing farmers, it can be really hard for them to earn a profit while wanting to protect our environment. So supporting them is is really important for everyone to do. Yeah, I really like that one. And it is so important because they're they're kind of proof that farming can be done in a different way and still produce really good food. But they just kind of need the support there and it's a little bit like the movement that you found at school. You know, people see that it works and kind of need to get the ball rolling and get it to catch on. Yeah, and if more people buy from these type of farmers, then 
I guess for other type of farmers, they'll be like, oh, it's working. More people are wanting to buy this type of produce than they might. It will be, I guess, it could be easier for them to shift away from these harmful practices to our yeah. environment to these to these more beneficial yeah. ones. So we can all be yeah. the change in our own lives just by leading by example. Yeah, I love that. And it is one of those things, isn't it? It's a bit of a supply and demand as well. So the more people who want things to be different than sort of farmers that haven't jumped on board um, just need to like, they'll maybe see that there's a benefit and they're still going to make a profit. Definitely, yeah. And by buying from these local farmers as well, they'll most likely, they'll want to like share with you what they know and they'll want to show you where your food is coming from. And if you yeah. if you want to see this yourself, then you're going to unlock a whole other world for you because growing a plant from this tiny little seed, it's mind-blowing. It, it just really is, yeah. And also you never yeah. know with these local farmers, they might want to collect your food scraps or whatever to turn into compost. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of those things. It's that connection of knowing where your food's coming from too Mm, and then understanding how it's been grown and then knowing what you can do yourself. And it's not understanding the time it takes to grow some of that food too because, like you said, like growing from seed to actually getting the produce, that takes time. And I think when people just buy some stuff off the shelf at the supermarket, it's very unknown how long that takes. Definitely, it takes so, so many months to grow a carrot, just say, like five months or whatever. It's it's a long time. And I feel like if people know where their food is coming from and who's actually growing it, I feel like this is going to help with the food waste problem as well because they're going to be less likely to waste it. Because, like, for me, if I've grown something, I'm like, oh, don't waste the leaves off that broccoli or whatever because it took so long to grow, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and you'll feel guilty yeah. for that person who grew it and then you're just wasting yeah. it <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely and that's the thing it just makes you see the value of food mm. makes you appreciate it a lot more and all of that kind of starts opening those other doors to learning more about it like you said so one thing I'd like to ask guests is if you had one wish to change something overnight in the world of food and health what would it be yeah well I have many wishes (laughs) Um, but I guess one would be to have urban farms and compost hubs in every suburb as I really believe this could have a huge impact like just imagine walking down your street and all the fruit and vegetables are there that you need for like the week just say that's my one wish (laughs) yeah that's an awesome wish to have and I mean you're working on that at some scale anyway and you know there's little pockets of this happening and it's just trying to keep it going and keep it moving yeah definitely it's so inspiring seeing people doing all over the country because you know I just want to I really want to start up my urban farm now but I'm still in school and I'm like oh that's not quite possible yet <laughs> so it's good to see all these other urban farms happening around the country before starting on my own because I know that you know there's already a movement begun so it's great yeah 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 for people listening what would your three take-home messages be around soil health composting and how this all affects sort of overall health 
yeah, um, I guess three take-home messages would just start composting or give it to someone else. It's seriously so amazing and mind-blowing to see your food scraps turn into this amazing compost. So definitely just, just start. Yeah, um, next would be just to just to ask and find out where the food you're buying from actually comes from because it's really life-changing when you know, oh, that carrot in the supermarket, I live in Rotorua, it comes from Auckland. How did that happen when there's carrots growing, like, down the road or whatever? (laughs) Um, And I guess the next thing would be to support local farmers. That is such a huge thing people can do. And, yeah, it's just cool to actually meet the person who grew it. I think that's incredible. And just a fourth one quickly. (laughs) Um, Maybe I don't think this is a big thing because not everyone needs to do this, but to just start growing your own food. It's not necessary for necessary for everyone. It's not everyone needs to grow their own food. But if you if this does sound like a thing for you, just buy a packet of seeds and just or get some from your local gardener. As gardeners always love to give seeds away for free. <laughs> um and just start growing something. Right now is the perfect time to start growing tomatoes. If you grow your own tomato and compared to the supermarket, you'll realise how much better food tastes from your own backyard yeah tomatoes is always used as that example isn't it because there's just something about ones that have been ripened by the sun and you just like pick them in the garden and eat them straight away versus ones you get from the supermarket there's such a huge difference and it is one of those experiences that if people haven't compared and tried the difference then um it's definitely one that will have an impact yeah Oh, another th- good vegetable I recommend growing is is beans. Beans are like the best, literally. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty hardy, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they can look beautiful like climbing up a trellis or whatever. Yeah, yeah easy to grow yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess there's a couple of things. If listeners wanted to know more about how they could get started composting, um, are there any sort of resources or sites that you would recommend i recommend katrina from blue borage she's always really happy to help or you can message me you can find me on instagram at caitlin grows i'm always keen to help people um there'll be great videos out there on youtube i'm sure compostable kate on instagram she's also very helpful but if you start exploring you'll find so many yeah And the Instagram community is quite big for gardening and composting and, you know, regenerative farming. And I think it's great because it's a visual platform and you get to see lots of photos of the progress and the different steps in it. And so it is like you found that that was a good way of growing your knowledge and um, expanding into that community. So it is a really good place for people to start as well. Yeah, it is. And gardeners, like, if you just message them, they'll always be keen to answer your questions. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So um, I guess just before we wrap up, what's coming up for you after school? Yeah. <laughs> well, next year I'm planning to go to Canterbury University um, and I'll be studying environmental science, specifically environmental contamination. As in the year two, it goes into soil science. So that's what I'll be doing next year, living in Christchurch, finding more places to volunteer at, like urban farms, community gardens. 
as I do know that there is a community garden on site. So I'll be hanging out there the whole time. Um, <laughs> That's where we can find you. Yeah. And then after that, after I finish university, I might do some woofing around New Zealand or in France. I also learn French just to get a bit more experience. And then my twin sister and I, um, she's also really into gardening and nutrition and all that too. <laughs> um, we want to start up an urban farm together, probably in Rotorua, as we can see that there's a huge need for an urban farm here. But I think I'm going to love Christchurch, so I might not come back, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch this space. Well, Caitlin, you've got so much exciting ahead for you and coming up. So I hope that the rest of the year goes well and I can't wait to follow your journey. And yeah, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. No worries. Thanks, Nikki, for inviting me. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe so you can find out when new episodes are released. And if you love the podcast, please consider leaving a review so more people can discover it. In the meantime, you can follow the podcast and my work over on Instagram and Facebook at Nourish with Nikki. And to find out more about working with me one-to-one to improve your gut health, energy and mood, then visit NikkiHurstHouse.com to book your free discovery call today.